everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and our guest this week is Nathan Dennison with the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. Nathan, did I get all that right? You got it perfect. Well, thanks for joining us. You are going through a little bit of a change with your boss of many years, yes. leaving the Coliseum. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. So, Randy Brown uh, retired as of October 1st, and um, he had been there for 33 years in leadership. Uh, 31 years as the executive vice president and general manager. So um, just a uh, just an amazing career of leadership, not only locally, but internationally within the venue industry. Um, so it, it is a little bit of a transition period now. Um, we've been just working, you know, there are four vice presidents um, in the structure of the Coliseum staff, and I'm the newest of them at 15 years oh, wow. of experience. Okay, I didn't realize that. So it's kind of like one of those things where we're just kind of keeping on, keeping on, doing what we do, Um he has trained us uh, well. Yeah. And yeah. so at this stage, we're just keeping uh, things going uh, until uh, the new general manager is in place. Wow. Well, I would imagine there's benefits to having a team that's been around for quite some time that uh, not a lot of surprises and most people have been able to handle, you know, will handle whatever comes their way because they've been through it before. Are there any challenges that come with a team that's been together for that long? Yeah, it, uh, planned retirements. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. that's yeah. A, that's a real big challenge, especially that, when yours is pretty far off in the future. <laughs> it is hopefully, hopefully, yes, yes, yeah, it, um, yes. Mine is pretty far into the future. Uh, we have some impending retirements, not only in our senior management but middle management staff as well. So, it is one of those things where it's a huge challenge where there's so much institutional knowledge of the building. It's a unique building mm -hmm. in and of itself. So, so much knowledge of the inner workings of how everything works. And without a working building, we don't have much of anything. Oh, sure. So sure. making sure that we're doing all the right things to replace, train strategically so that we have all of our ducks in a row and we can continue the great service that we're known for uh, throughout the area. Yeah, well, Randy was definitely someone who was well-respected locally and I'm sure, as you mentioned, within the industry, so he'll be missed. And hopefully you get someone who's who's nearly as good to start and eventually oh, yes. as good over time. It's going to be hard shoes to uh, tough shoes to fill. Absolutely. And so many people have said big shoes to fill, but his community leadership on boards like Visit Fort Wayne mm -hmm. and the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo, and he's done some work with the airport. And so he just uh, has uh, contributed so much to this community. Um, and he's uh, well-deserved retirement, and I know he and his wife are going to stay in the area with, with family here. So um, you'll probably hear or see him again at some point down the road. Well, good. And and you just reminded me, you said Visit Fort Wayne that Dan O'Connell is also retiring. So That is correct. You and I are going to be the only two left working here after, <laughs> after a couple months. So. Yeah. So yeah. Um, love my work with Visit Fort Wayne um, on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're great people there. Well, yes. we're going to dive into some of those topics in more depth, depth but we want to start at the beginning of your career. So you grew up in DeKalb County. Yep. And start there if you don't mind and, sure. and talk a little bit about what were you thinking about career-wise? Where'd you go from there and and did you stay on that path or did you change that path? Definitely changed. Yeah. Um when I was in high school, was involved in the student newspaper mm -hmm. at, at DeKalb High School. Uh was inspired by 
a teacher, which is usually where it starts for yep. a lot of people, um, was involved that way, uh, learning the very basics of journalism and things like that. So um, I actually had a gap year between um, high school and college, which also coincided with my family's move to Northwest Ohio. Okay. So um, I went to a small community school. Uh, college in Northwest Ohio for a semester and then transferred to the University of Findlay, Findlay, Ohio. Um, And on my first week on campus, January of 1997, walked into the student newspaper advisor's office and said, what can I do? Mm -hmm. About a month later, I was the editor of the student oh, newspaper. Wow. <laughs> so you could do everything is it, what the answer to that question was. Yeah. yeah. At the time, it was the small school, the organization, student organization was in a time of transition mm-hmm. between some leaders. And I was given my first story assignment that day after the wow. meeting. Wow. And uh, for the first couple of semesters, it was myself a designer and the advisor. Wow. And that's it. Wow. And by the time I graduated, I had been editor for a few years. We had a staff of 15-ish. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, really developed in that school's communications program. So mm-hmm. my emphasis was print journalism, but a communication degree. Okay. So I spent time working as a DJ on the campus radio mm-hmm. station. Uh, was part of the team that worked with uh, their TV program, mm-hmm. created their first TV program in the school's history. Okay. So worked in the sports information office of the athletic department a lot and really, really enjoyed that piece of it, was working for the university's PR office. So I was really, really involved on campus in all the basics, the PR, the radio, the TV, um, really didn't get into speech very much. Sure. but. Um, all of that sort of stuff really immersed myself in all of the opportunities that a small school gives someone and uh, took so much away from all that experience. And uh, yeah. Um, so was the trajectory when you started down that path, was it, I'm going to have a career in print journalism? Is that what you were thinking? That's what I was thinking. Okay. Sports writer. Sports writer. All right. So when did that start to change? Well, I had actually, uh, through contacts with my advisor there on campus, I think it was my sophomore year, I got a part-time job at an area print daily newspaper, sports department, Mm -hmm. started working, started covering some high school sports, things like that as a college student. And then um, after a year of that, my junior and senior year, I worked for a larger daily newspaper that was a little closer to campus. Okay. Again, uh, covering the college athletics, high school athletics, got to interview amazing people who came to the area for different sports functions or anything like that. Um, and I think three years of working at a daily newspaper albeit part-time, while in college, while also doing school, while also doing student newspaper, it was kind of like, uh, wow, I've kind of, at the time, I felt like I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a situation where I want to kind of go beyond that a little bit. Sure. And so the first part of my job search was um, through my senior year looking for sports information at mm-hmm. a college. Okay. However, I was going to be a December graduate. Okay. And that is the worst time to get a co- 
to get a job at a college, mm-hmm. you really need to wait till May, June, July, sure. something like that sure. during their transition. And so I didn't really find anything. And that's um, my senior year of uh, college. I also had an internship at a local bank mm-hmm. in their marketing department. Okay. And the student newspaper experience at college taught me Adobe PageMaker. Uh-huh. Yes, I, I was a PageMaker six point yes. five user myself. Yes, yeah. I uh, learned. So I was I was learning how to lay out things, mm-hmm. and I could lay out the student newspaper. And uh, one of the local banks there in Finley, Ohio, hired me as a intern to like basically fill in for their marketing department during okay. like a maternity leave or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and I ended up doing a lot of. A lot of design, yeah. uh, ads, flyers, posters. And so that led me to my first job after college um, at a uh, small local financial institution, mm-hmm. uh, much closer to Fort Wayne. Okay. So you had the, you had the background in working for a, a bank. Sure. You take that and what you've learned and you move into, is it more of a marketing position at this point? It really wasn't a marketing mm-hmm. position. It was very interesting. I kind of got the connection through uh, a little bit of an extended family relationship, okay. got connected with uh, the local bank here just south of Fort Wayne. And, um, it kind of a position created for me, but it wasn't marketing. It was more, um, the title was sales and training coordinator, Okay, which I didn't really have a lot of experience in sales um, at the time. I was just out of college. But over time, my marketing skills kind of, it morphed into a marketing job okay. for yeah. uh, some time. So um, I got involved in um, customer relationship management mm-hmm. software. Mm-hmm. And at that time in banking and financial services, that was the rise of the idea of incentive compensation uh-huh. for bank employees. Okay. So they wanted tellers and those types of folks to upsell, upsell, mm-hmm. upsell. So part of what my role was to was to administer a incentive compensation plan and coming straight out of college with journal a journalism background, it was like I was just didn't even know where to begin. I was just learning from day one. Wow. And um made obviously a lot of relationships in the area and that kind of um that led me to my second role. Um and in my sales experience, my second job uh, after uh, after college was working in a commercial printing field doing okay. sales, doing business-to-business sales. So how do you end up in that position? Well, it was a situation where I uh, was looking um, to make uh, a move away from the um, kind of the bank mm-hmm. eight to five we had just had our daughter, uh, um, um, our oldest, and kind of wanted to spend some more time um, around home. So an opportunity came up where I uh, would able work from home, okay, do commercial printing sales okay. um, for a um, for a printing company that's based out of uh, Peru, Indiana. Okay. But I would cover the areas that are closer to Allen County where I lived at the time. So this is a a remote work opportunity before there were many of opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Before it was really in vogue. Before it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, worked uh, selling um, tr- trying to develop business. I, I'm, I know I called on Asher at one point uh-huh. to try to get their printing business. I don't remember if I had any su- a success with that, but that's okay. Okay. Um, but, you know, that lasted for a couple of years where that 
really determined was not my sure was not my passion. Sure, um, I've had other connections with Asher too. I remember when I worked at um, with a financial institution. One of the things we were doing is going through a process of growing our physical presence mm-hmm. into the Fort Wayne market. Yep, and we did a kind of a branding, like a re, you know a rebrand thing. And yeah, I, and I vividly remember a meeting in the bank boardroom with. All, with several Asher experts okay. led by Brian Engelhart. Uh-huh. So I've, right. I've known him for a long, long time Okay, and still run into him from time to time. Yep. Um, Brian was the first guest on this very podcast. Well, you couldn't have a better one. I agree. <laughs> in my I opinion. Agree. Brian, if you're listening, enjoy all the kudos. He was, uh, I quickly understood he was the smartest person in the room yeah. at that meeting. And doesn't act like it, which is no. really nice. Yeah. No, he when doesn't. he and I worked together, I acted like it, but I wasn't. He acted, he didn't act like it and was. So. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, my that was my first connection with Asher when okay. I was working at um, you know, for the small financial institution as we were going through a rebrand a little oh. bit. So Okay. So you yep. you move into a sales role, yes. a traditional sales role, yep. decide that's really not for you. Where do you go from there? Uh found a job on Career Builder one day uh-huh. and it was um called Marketing and Media. Actually it was Coordinator of Marketing and Media Services and Group Ticket Sales, uh-huh. the longest title ever in the world. <laughs> Working for a company called Aramark. Yeah. At the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. Okay. And so without a connection in the world to mm-hmm. the Coliseum, other than attending Comets games mm-hmm. as I was growing up, yeah, um, and maybe some car shows or, or boat sure. shows or something like that, um, put my application in and um, started in that role in September of 2006. And I, and I still remember my interview for that job was the day after Bob Dylan played a concert at Memorial Stadium, mm-hmm. Wizard Stadium, outside okay. in the rain the night before. I vaguely remember that happening. I wasn't at the concert, but I vaguely remember and all And all I know was that everybody that I was interviewing with was like dead tired because they was because they were all out in the stadium until 2 a.m. Yeah. cleaning up the mess from Bob Dylan. And this show. is when the baseball stadium used to oh, yeah. be in what is now the extended parking lot it of the parking lot. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So right. interviewed, uh, got the job. And they were so tired. They, they were, were like, so you're that's hired. Probably, that's probably a good reason why I got it. But yeah. they were exhausted. That, I think that's happened to me a couple times, too. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, started there in 2006. And... Um, was in that role was a lot of different things. It was uh, event marketing, mm-hmm. a little bit of media relations, uh, working with event promoters, placing newspaper ads and radio ads and TV mm-hmm. ads. It was um, before we even had social media, yep. um, really to speak of. So it was a lot of traditional mm-hmm. event marketing. Um, we. At the time, we worked with an agency to do our newsletters and to to do our design things. And then over a few years, again, those skills that started with PageMaker 6.5 and kept on progressing a little Mm -hmm. bit um, kind of moved into more of a marketing, traditional Mm -hmm. marketing role where I took over some of those design pieces, design projects for the Coliseum. Um, And as my career kind of progressed... Really started, I guess, showing more interest in overall management. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was in that role working for Aramark, but really an integral part of the Coliseum team for the first 
seven and a half years of my career there. Okay. Um, there was a, uh, a senior management member who uh, retired, and that kind of was the impetus for a little bit of a corporate organization restructure mm-hmm. there. And so the, the role of VP of sales came open. And with me having seven years of experience there, I was kind of filling in in a sales role for mm, probably a year um, prior to that job change. So um, had an interview and um, actually uh, resigned from my Aramark job one day started my county job. Yeah, next, walked across the hall. The and, next yeah. day, stayed in the same cubicle for a few weeks. Yeah, and um, so in total, I just passed my 15-year um, threshold there at the Coliseum. So, um, as a part of the senior management team, um, and I love it. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, that's great. So. Most people are familiar with the Coliseum yeah. as attendees of, as you mentioned, comments games sure. or you know concerts or you know other events. I've been there for a circus. I think I was there for when my son was very young, some kind of bear in the big blue house or something oh, yeah. event. Yeah. Um, but tell us a little bit about the organization, things that people maybe don't know. Oh. You know, the fact that it's a county entity, I think, is underappreciated. And I'm, I'll get out of my depth pretty quickly if I try to describe more than that. But tell us tell us some of the realities of, of the Coliseum from your perspective. There are, are so many myths mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. It's kind of like an urban legend kind of thing. <laughs> it's funny. Um, we're a department of Allen County government. So there are lots of county employees there. Um, there are also Aramark employees. Aramark is a third-party service contractor that mostly handles our food service. Mm-hmm. And so there are some people who work for Aramark. Um, there are people who work for a security mm-hmm. contractor who you know provides 24-7 security and uh, event security. There are also people there who work for uh, some staffing agencies that provide housekeeping services and uh, overnight changeover crews. But in so many ways, we try to treat everybody, regardless of who pays their paycheck, as one Coliseum okay. team. Okay. And that's what Randy was so always so good at preaching, mm-hmm. that we're a team. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably a, a little bit of an unknown thing that sure. people don't know. Um Prior to the pandemic, we had gone basically 60-some years without any outside government support to pay our daily operations. Uh, okay. And that's a big thing. Sure. When you go to other cities and you look at their convention centers or their arenas or their stadiums, so many municipally owned venues are county or city or state general tax supported. Mm-hmm. And that's not what the Coliseum does. Now, the pandemic has thrown that completely out the window, sure. obviously. Sure. And we're grateful for the county's support in this time. Um, but that's a big myth, too, in mm-hmm. that, yes, there are some funding mechanisms in place for the Coliseum to pay for some things, um, like renovation, uh, expansion, capital expenses, mm-hmm. like the big ticket items, yep. but our day-to-day operations, utilities, salaries, marketing, insurance, those kinds of things, ideally are all user, um, client-generated revenue. Okay. So that's a big um, 
point of pride for mm-hmm. us and that we went so long in that status without taking any um, other funds, but thanks to the pandemic, of course. Um, so that's another myth. Um, 60 or more percent of our visitors are c- come from outside of Allen County. Okay. So I, I know you've heard those numbers kind of before for mm-hmm. other types sure. of attractions in town. And um, that's definitely true. So, we, you know, we've had concerts where we can look at zip code data mm-hmm. for purchasers yep. to our ticketing provider, and we can know where they're coming from. Yep. And that really helps. Of course, we could do the old license plate check through the parking lot, <laughs> the real old-fashioned that way. That might take a little longer, yeah. We haven't done that in a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So so tell me a little bit about yeah. your role. How does it fit in, and, and what's your role within the team, and what does your specific team look like? Sure. Uh, so, um, like I mentioned at the beginning, there are four VPs in the senior management team. We have VP of Finance and Chief Operating Officer. We have VP of Operations. We have VP of Event Services. Mm-hmm. And that person really oversees all the departments of the Coliseum that interact with the guests on a regular okay. basis. Okay. And then myself, as VP of Sales. Okay. So, um, and... My, my team really, the departments that I oversee really overlap a lot with Aramark, mm-hmm. our food service provider. And so I oversee um, our event management team. Mm-hmm. So we have a full-time event manager and we have several part-time event coordinators. We have a marketing and media coordinator who does our graphic design, social media, PR, works with events, my former role. Okay. And so I oversee that position. Our catering sales department, Mm -hmm. who works with all of our clients who do catering, and then our director of premium seating. That department handles all of our club seats, our our private luxury suites. Mm -hmm. So I have some oversight of that department. And also uh, a fifth person is our corporate partnerships manager. Okay. and so I oversee that role too. So I have um, a lot of different. Yeah, that's that's a, a pretty big role. A lot of different areas, um, but they don't just report to me. Mm-hmm. They report to other managers. Sure. Um, but I um, would always always claim them as my own, just because uh, it's just a great diverse group of people with a lot of experience and talents and skills. Yeah, it sounds like your job title got shorter and the list of things to do got a lot longer. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. A yeah. little bit, yeah. So talk to me a little bit, if you don't mind, about the pandemic. Sure. Um, and of, of all the folks we've talked to, obviously it impacted everyone in different ways, but I can't imagine a bigger impact from a professional life standpoint than it had on you. Did, did the Coliseum see any of this coming? So many people didn't. Did you see anything coming and, and how did you react and what did the world look like for the past 18 or so months? Well, we did see some things coming on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Um, As a county department, we have a very, very close connection with the Allen County Department Mm -hmm. of Health. And so we were involved in a couple meetings. We hosted a meeting, I think, in late February or something like that, where it was a lot of community leaders coming together to kind of learn some things from the health department. Um, and of course, uh, in my role, one of my core responsibilities is being the building's liaison for NCAA events. Um, so you've mm-hmm. heard this story before. I know yep. you have, um, where 
2020 was lined up to be going to be a big year, a banner year yeah. for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for NCAA with two events scheduled in March, mm-hmm. we had four concerts that were nearly sold out that mm-hmm. were going to be happening in April, May, June mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, of last year. And we started to see some things. We started to hear some things. Randy, obviously very tuned into the venue industry as a whole, mm-hmm. um, very uh, and just very knowledgeable about those things. And information was coming at him from a lot of different angles. So we kind of knew what the potential concerns were. Yeah. Until it really hit that second week of March, we had no idea what. Yeah. Well, it was so unprecedented. I don't think anybody did. And um, so, obviously, going from everything on paper was going to be our probably the Coliseum's best year ever mm-hmm. to overall at the end of the year, a loss of about $4 million. Wow. Was in so many ways, just shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously some of our staff um, and being county employees, we were, um, um, those who could work at home did work from home. Mm-hmm. We had some people that were put on leave. Um, and so, uh, you know, as a part of the senior management team, when we officially closed, there were basically seven of us that, each took a day. Mm-hmm. So when there was nothing at the building, I was assigned Monday or I, wow. somebody else was assigned Tuesday. Yeah. And the only person at the building was our 24-7 security person mm-hmm. who was tucked away in our command center. Mm-hmm. And then the senior management member yeah. who was there for the day, just kind of overseeing things. Um, we pivoted pretty well with Zoom technology. We all sure. learned all of that yep. really quick. Um you know, with transferring phone, you know, phones to cell phones and all that stuff. So we were able to keep up pretty well. Um, and I think we were out of the office for, I think, five weeks okay. uh, total. Yeah. And then we started coming back slowly. And obviously, our relationship with the Allen County Department of Health was just really, really deep at sure. that time, trying to get an understanding. And um, as we reopened, doing events again starting in June of 2020. I was really, really involved in working with them on um, determining what a banquet setup looks like with social distancing yeah, in sure, mind. Sure. Um, and so working with, and because we didn't have catering sales and event coordinators and we had to furlough several mm-hmm. folks, I was became a jack of all trades. And I tell you, I learned so much but the biggest thing I learned is how blessed I was for the team members that I have. Yep, sure. When they were able to come back finally yep, yep. after. Sure. Some of them came back after a year. A couple of them came back a little bit later. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it, we just kind of kept things going as much as we could. Yeah. We were uh, able to host um, some events in the summer of 2020 that we weren't ever going to be able to host oh, just due to okay. space availability. Sure. Like our normal events had all canceled, mm-hmm. but then other events started coming up sure. and working with the Department of Health and, and the restrictions. And so my role was very much more than just marketing and sales sure. during this time. So yeah. I became an event coordinator and a lot of our clients were very, very happy when our regular event coordinators were able to come back (laughs) Yeah, because they were able to have a, you know, somebody they knew. Yeah. So, so the, the, the most 
recent, um, not the most recent experience, but the experience, the first experience I had at the Coliseum after, um, you know, everything started to stabilize was the vaccination. Of course. And that was extremely well run. I remember being, when I heard about it, uh, like all of us, I think I was a little bit concerned about what's this going to look like and it could not have been more easy, and yeah. I almost, I almost came out of the Coliseum saying, "Saying that was it. That was almost too easy." But really, yeah. well done to yeah. your staff on that. Well, um, as a community asset like we are, mm-hmm. uh, our first really big opportunity to serve in a role similar to that was the early voting prior mm-hmm. to um, the election, mm-hmm. and. Um, that same space yep. uh, we call Expo Four. A mm-hmm. lot of people call it the basement. Um, that was the early voting location, and so we were able to host the Allen County Election okay. Board. And then, of course, we kind of moved from that into the vaccine clinic, starting in early January of this year, mm-hmm. twenty one. Yeah. So um, daily interaction with Mindy Waldron mm-hmm. and her team at the Department of Health. Yeah. Um, and part of my role now is to help them in their process of they've reopened mm-hmm. the vaccine clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it, it has been a joy to uh, try to serve the community when when we weren't able to have all sure. of our events. Sure. Um, and, and the beauty about this, the building, is it's flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, we can have multiple events. That's how we operate yep. most efficiently is have multiple events going on at the same time. And so we were able to do that with um, some less used space and provide us a a really good option for the community to take advantage of the vaccine clinic. Yeah. Well, and what was the first event when you were back to, I don't want to say uh, normalcy, but close to normalcy? Was it Comets Games? Was there something that preceded that? When we were able to start the Comets season, uh, a a little bit delayed, uh, starting in February, I believe it was, in 2021, Mm -hmm. they were going to have a a shortened season. That's when we felt like, and as we got closer to the playoffs, um, which we all know ultimately ended up um, with a championship, that's when it started to feel real, mm-hmm. like when restrictions were easing um, and through the playoffs, that's when it really felt like, okay, we're we're back. That was prior to the Delta variant, obviously, sure, sure. coming back and, um, you know, causing problems for us again. Sure. But that's really when it felt like we were truly back was sure. that Comets playoff run okay, where we had... Oh, was was it nine thousand on a Thursday night, mm-hmm. and then ten, almost eleven thousand on a yeah on a Saturday night, or I'm not sure the exact days. All I know is that we were really, really, really happy they won when they did. Yeah, because the next game would have been a lot, lot harder for our staffing situation, mm-hmm. and yeah. so we were never bigger fans yeah. for that. <laughs> Game yeah. that they ended up winning. Sure, so. sure. Well, that's great. So now that you know, th- there's a lot of uncertainty right now, sure. of course. But what are some of the things? And obviously, only talk about the things you can talk about. Yeah. But what are some of the things on the horizon that you're working on? The things that are you know big on your to do list that are maybe exciting, maybe a little scary, maybe a combination of things. I think um, obviously my role still is um, involved with working with Visit Fort Wayne mm-hmm. and as the primary liaison between the building and the NCAA. Mm-hmm. So um, we are actually going to be hosting, we are, have been awarded 
hosting responsibilities for the Division Three Men's Basketball National Championship all the way through 2026. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. So a lot of hard work with Visit Fort Wayne. Yeah. Um, Stephanie Coleman, mm-hmm. before she left Visit yeah. Fort Wayne, went to Turnstone, was my partner in crime when mm-hmm. it came to um, selling the Coliseum, selling yeah. Fort Wayne as a sports host. And and Visit Fort Wayne is currently, in, in, and I will disclaim that we're recording this in October. It sure. might not be out until December. Sure. That's currently an open position with Visit Fort Wayne, correct? It, yes. They're in their search process yeah. uh, with Dan um, in leadership. But, you know, just a great relationship with everybody there at Visit Fort Wayne. So the NCAA is one of those things where it's going to be here with us for a while yep. and hopefully beyond that. Sure. Um, and um, that's my one of my exciting you know, events that coming up into the horizon. Sure. Part of what I really enjoy about my role is on any given day, I could be talking to a bride planning their wedding reception mm-hmm. and talking to a promoter that's looking for a space for a Slipknot concert. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I could be working on anything in between those. Yeah, those two, or a Slipknot themed wedding, or maybe. a slip. Yeah, we've had those. <laughs> um, it, it is just the amazing variety of things that I get to work on. Yeah, it's um, you know um, trying to help our staff wrap their heads around a new uh, room diagramming mm-hmm. system potentially from our software provider. Yeah. So that's an exciting project, which will help us be more efficient um, yeah. internally. But from events, it's, you know, um, we've had Donald Trump bring campaign rallies here twice in the last several years. It's, you know, I might be the person taking that call um, from who knows where to start planning that event. And then that's the only thing I'm working on for the next three weeks, month, whatever. So it is just a huge, amazing variety of events that we get to be a part of. Sure. Um, During the pandemic last summer, a majority of my job was working with brides and grooms to try to get their events in within the attendance restrictions, Mm -hmm. within room capacity, social distancing and all that. And there was one couple that um, we had to find a different space that was larger. And so in a meeting, they just threw out a crazy idea. Why don't we just do our wedding and reception on the arena floor? (laughs) And we pulled it off and it was just an incredible event. And so much so that, I mean, they're never going to forget that environment. It was a larger space. It wasn't yeah. obviously traditional, but sure. having the flexibility to do that kind of thing is is a lot of fun. Yeah, and they were able to, if I understand the Coliseum nomenclature correctly, so you're able to say you got married on the same floor where Elvis performed, right? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, that's absolutely pretty great. correct. That's, yeah, that's that's a pretty good thing to be able to say. Yeah. yeah so it, it's just you know, um, we like to say, you know, I tell people all the time, people come to the Coliseum to have fun. Mm-hmm. They. they generally don't come there expecting bad things sure. or expecting to be, yeah. you know, experience something negative. Mm-hmm. They expect to be entertained. Uh, they expect their adrenaline to go up, mm-hmm. you know, when they're watching a sporting event. Or they expect to take pride in seeing their children experience something for the first time, yep. whether it be a Sesame Street Live show mm-hmm. or a monster truck show or their first comments game. Or a graduation. Or a graduation. Yeah. And I like a lot of times I think 
how many people in Northeast Indiana and beyond have walked across our stages and experienced a monumental moment in their life. Sure. And in a very small way, we were a part of making that happen. Oh, yeah. And that's, I think that's what keeps me just energized by what I do and what I want to do for the future. Yeah. Is provide those, that venue to make those memories. Well, and I think it's important to keep that sense of urgency because for you and your team, it's kind of second nature. This stuff happens all the time. Correct. But, you know, when others are there, it might be their only time there or just a few times a year. I mean, you know, when I, it's funny because as we're talking, I'm thinking of some of the events I've attended and I'm remembering more and more everything from graduations to Paul McCartney concert to sporting events. And it's a longer list than I would have imagined coming into this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. In my role, um, I've been fortunate to, especially in the marketing role, spend time with some of the performers, um, the artists, the guests who've been here. And so that has given me a a little bit different perspective. Not everybody gets to do that. So I I feel like I'm very blessed um, with the ability to meet Elton John. And um, and it's just a really unique situation where... um, who would have thought like, yeah. I would have had that opportunity? Yeah. So uh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a lot of fun, and it will continue to be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, all I can say is I met Brian Englehart, so you're way up on me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's go to the speed round of sure. the show. I'm going to ask you a few questions. There's one curveball I'm going to throw you. I'm actually going to throw you two curveballs at the same time, um, but uh, you're going to be very adept at hitting those both out of the park. So the first question uh, one that is not a curveball. Tell us your best career advice. You mentioned you have a daughter, I believe it is, who's yes. wrapping up high school. If you were talking to her or someone else who was looking to get started in a career or making a career change, what would you say is the key to success in building a successful career? Um, I'm, and we talked before we started recording. I'm going to um, give credit where credit's due. This thought really kind of originated in this conversation from my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just sit and be, decide something. Mm-hmm. Um, inaction is probably the um, the enemy to success just sure. because you have to take chances, take risks, calculated risks, you know, be strategic about things. But if you're really caught between two situations, the the more you kind of just sit and be and let things come to you, the harder it's going to be to be successful. Yeah, I think that's great advice. It's, you know, it's he who hesitates is lost or, yeah. you know, the other cliche is either win or you learn. And I think there's truth in both of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, mistakes happen, mm-hmm. you know, in in my role, uh, you know, currently at the Coliseum, there are some new things coming at me. And it's like, I, yeah, I know I'm going to make mistakes. But um, Randy used to always say, um, as long as you don't do it again, as yeah. long as you don't make the same mistake twice, yeah. that's, that's good. Well, and that's a great characteristic in a leader. I, yeah. I've always had that here at Asher where, you know, you're expected to learn from mistakes, sure. but it's not terminal if you make one. Yeah, um, absolutely. Know, and certainly the, the spirit has always been, hey, we're all human. We're going to make mistakes. Let's yeah. work together to um, make sure they don't happen again. But forgive each other when they do happen. Yeah. And, you know, obviously as my career was, has been progressing, um, people have seen in me potential and that's, I'm most grateful for that, that I, 
maybe there were times where I didn't see potential in myself, but other people saw it. And that's what's important that you continue working towards that. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, here come the two curveballs. Okay. So if you need to pass on either of these questions or go to question three so you can think about them further, that is fair game. The two curveballs are as follow. What's your favorite event that you've ever been part of at the Coliseum? And the second part of the question is, and you just uh, encouraged this by what you were talking about, who's your favorite well-known person that you've met as part of your work at the Coliseum? Ooh, that's a tough set. <laughs> yeah. Favorite. Um, shoot. Or one of your favorites. I'll, I'll ease it up a little bit. Hmm. It's really interesting. The first several years of my career in my role, I was very involved in working with concert promoters directly, mm-hmm. um, f- you know, photographers who are approved. So I stood next to the stage for a lot of concerts. Mm-hmm. And later in my career that whole experience has been less and less like exciting to me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, um, and so probably working just the, the concerts. Yeah. Being in the arena bowl, standing on the floor, usually standing in close proximity to where the sound mixer board is mm-hmm. in, on the back of the floor. And, the really, really good performers build their show to where that first song is a when they haven't you know revealed where they're standing or their faces or anything, and what the production quality of the show does to kind of build that crescendo mm-hmm. up until the big curtain drop mm-hmm. or light reveal or something like that. That adrenaline, so I. In a way, to answer that question, my favorite experiences at events is just that. Okay. Standing on the floor of the arena, feeling the adrenaline of the crowd as they start to cheer, knowing that the headliner is about ready to reveal themselves, whether it's flying in from the ceiling yeah. or coming out of the stage yeah. floor. Um, that that Just the amazing adrenaline that just runs through the building. Yeah in that moment is, I think, my favorite experience there. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Favorite person. I met so many of them. And when I say meet artists, it's very, very cursory. It's yeah, like, sure. we're not talking about, we're not swapping recipes or anything like that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, very yeah. kind of basic. Um, some, you know, I rode an elevator with uh, Jason Aldean and Luke mm-hmm. Bryan. Mm-hmm. Two really huge country music stars. Yeah, if, sure. you, if you're a country music fan, you know those names. And to f- see that they are everyday normal people yeah. who obviously knew each other, know each other, and are talking to each other like they're neighbors. Yeah. But I'm just happened to be over in the corner in the yeah. elevator going up to a different level of the building. And it's just like, it's it, it, that was an interesting experience just to see them in a non- performance light yeah so it was very interesting yeah Um, Yeah. so so many of them oh Uh, sure darius rucker Mm -hmm. um uh, in high school i was a fan of hootie and the blowfish yep but later in the career um obviously followed him in terms of his country music career some of the greatest musical performance probably one of the greatest musical performance i've ever seen was darius rucker performing prince's purple rain oh wow to a 
sold out Coliseum Arena. Huh. And just the emotion and everything that went into him performing that song was just incredible. Yeah. One, yeah. Of, the, one of the favorite songs I've ever heard or seen live. Oh, that's pretty great. So That's pretty great. And yeah. in your venue, how do you like that? I know. Yeah. I know. And that's I've seen great. him at other venues, too. Yeah. So Yeah. So last question, and you've alluded to this a little bit. But um, if we can synthesize it, we've all been through a lot in the last year and a half, and hopefully better days are ahead shortly. But what did you learn during the pandemic that you didn't know before that you think will stick with you moving forward, either from a career perspective, a marketing perspective, or just in general? From a career perspective, that's pretty simple. And you really get to understand how blessed I am Mm -hmm. to be in the position that I'm in. to have the support of the team um, was just you hear so many stories of you know of people and instability and I, I've been really really blessed and grateful for that from a marketing perspective clear concise communication mm-hmm. about things is so so critical we dealt with probably, I don't know, if you take the four or five concerts that were postponed, a combination of four or five times each, and communicating to the public, whether it be on social media or press release or talking to media about those situations, is that if you're not absolutely perfectly clear and concise, things can get really misconstrued. And it's like the telephone game. If you get a detail wrong or get a detail a little unclear about, you know, the difference between canceled and postponed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Learned really quick about how, you know, that sort of um, detail fact is so, so critical. So, sure. And just the second thing is just the ability to adapt. Mm-hmm. Don't, you can't in this day and age, you just can't get married to a certain way of doing things. Yeah. You sure. have to adapt. Like for us at the Coliseum, I'm, I think we may have seen the last of our printed newsletter mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that I designed many, many of, and it probably is not coming back at this point. Yeah. But, you know, you th- do things like email more, and mm-hmm. of course, the e-commerce and social media is, you know. And who knew that the QR code was going to come back? I had no idea. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah, the resurgence of the QR code. That was a new one for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Nathan, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on, and thanks for all Fun. the work you do. It's Absolutely. a great venue. We're really lucky thank to you. have it. So thank you. And thanks to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this week's episode of the Asher Marketing Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week, and we'll be back with another great guest. 